It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's Wednesday, July 20th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynesy, uh, the Guardians left a uh, an, an imprint all over the All-Star game last night as the American League won its ninth consecutive Midsummer Classic. Uh, I guess the, the performance that really jumps out is Emmanuel Classe uh, closing the game in the ninth uh, with three strikeouts. Just uh, how exciting was it to see Classe go out there and, and basically show everybody in baseball what pretty much everybody who follows the Guardians already knew? Yeah, I mean, 10 pitches, struck out the side in order, 3-2 lead, uh, and uh, no doubt about it. Uh, He stole Jose Mesa's old line, no doubt about it, and uh, really closed that game out in in style. Uh, You know, almost every pitch was at 99 miles an hour, um, six straight strikes. Uh, He threw uh, to the last hitter, he threw a – you know, he he couldn't get the immaculate inning, Mm -hmm. but – Went to four pitches before striking out the last guy. Just a dominant performance. All right. A uh, first pitch ball to Jake uh, Cronenworth uh, denied him that immaculate inning. And uh, that would have been, you know, that might have put him into the uh, the conversation for All-Star Game MVP had that happened. Uh, but uh, instead, the MVP award goes to John Carlos Stanton. But Class A wasn't the only Guardians player to, to make a difference in the game. Jose Ramirez, two base hits. Uh, he was aboard early for um, the the two run home run by John Carlos Stanton that that basically uh, helped decide the game. Uh, and uh, early in the first inning, uh, starting at second base, Andres Jimenez makes uh, a fantastic play to start a double play, uh, uh, sort of a, a stabbing uh, leap at a ball up the middle, uh, and then he flipped it behind his back to Tim Anderson at the bag. Uh, and Anderson uh, throws on to first base for a double play in the first. Uh, just guardians everywhere making an impact. Uh, I, Cleveland couldn't be happier after after that all-star performance. Yeah, they've got to be uh, very, very pleased. They send three all-stars to the game. Uh, all three make a major you know contribution uh, to the victory. And uh, they come away, you know, uh, I'm sure people who had never seen Jimenez or or had seen just, you know, a little bit of Class A, had to be impressed with with the performance. And Jose Ramirez, uh, four for seven in his uh, four All-Star games, Joe, 
hitting 571 as a as an all-star and maybe he should just have a permanent invitation from the American League you know just uh, keep an open invitation to bring him back every yeah, year yeah yeah I think the Guardians would be happy with that uh Jose I, I I think and he really sort of uh you know the experienced all-star there he was really sort of projecting that sort of uh, you know, all-star mystique as he was walking the red carpet and, and everything we saw about him. Uh, for Jimenez and Class A, though, this is these are two guys who are you know under the age of 24, uh, 24 and younger, uh, and they're their first-time all-stars. Uh, they they really did step forward and and you know make an impression on a lot of people, uh, not just uh, you know in Cleveland but around baseball who are going to have their eyes on the development of these guys as they move forward. Uh, pretty certain that at least for class A, it's not his final uh, all-star appearance if he's able to keep doing what he's doing. Yeah. Big stage. And and they came up big on it. Uh, you know, Jimenez, uh, you know, besides the double play made two nice plays in short right field, throwing guys out, I think in the third inning and uh, class A was just, that's that's lights out, man. Out of all the uh, closers they had on that team, you know, it, it's interesting that uh, Dusty Baker, you know, just, uh, you know, had him pegged for the ninth inning. There was no doubt about it. And I think uh, Dusty saw him pitch well in, in Houston, and that might have been the ticket. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, when uh, when Emmanuel Classe first learned that he was going to be at the All-Star game, he said he didn't care, you know, who he faced or when he went in there. He said he wanted to close the game out, but more than anything, he wanted to strike out some National League hitters. And that's it. He, he did it. He, he said, it's it's my job to go out there and strike guys out. And that's exactly what he did. He predicted his own fate uh, in, in terms of what, what happened in that All-Star game. Hoinsey, what would you think of the uniforms? What would you think of uh, the, the, the gray uniforms with the black for the American League and the and the white uniforms with a black cap, which I thought was hideous for uh, for the American League. But I want to get your your uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I'm not a big uniform guy, Joe. Didn't but you know the green kind of it was like camouflage or something. I was wondering, you know, what with the American League, I I, I didn't quite get that. I think, but uh, you know, I, it 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 really didn't upset me I much. I I kind of like it when. Uh, you know the every the all stars wear their own jerseys in the all star game. I get kind of a throwback, right? But but you know that was fine with me. I had no problems with. It. I I go back to the 2019 all star game, which I think is probably still used as a benchmark for you know one of the best that the baseball put on here in Cleveland, and and the players wore their own uniforms, but the caps were were slightly different. The caps were a special all star cap. Uh, I think uh, I think you go back to something like that because these it almost reminded me of the players weekend uniforms, how how those kind of looked uh, a little a little crazy, oh, yeah. the, the black right. on white and all that kind of stuff. Uh, not a, not a real fan, but apparently a lot of people were talking about them. So uh, that was the uh, the buzz was the uh, the all star game uniforms for both sides uh, there. There were moments throughout the game, obviously, that that, that really stood out. But uh I, I want to make sure that we go back and before we talk about that, we talk about the the home run derby, which took place on on Monday, and uh, you know what you what your opinions and your your impressions were uh, from that with Jose Ramirez competing on behalf of the Guardians in that uh, in that contest. Yeah, I thought Jose, you know, was representative. What he hit seventeen home runs. Uh, you know, I, I was surprised he hit from the right side. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, most of his power is left handed, right? I mean, but. Uh, 
you know, that I had no problem with it. I mean, I thought he did a good job. He looks like he came through healthy. You know, the next night he got two hits. And uh, I think that's what everyone was concerned about. Uh, otherwise, you know, it was, you know, another display. I mean, uh, Julio Rodriguez kind of blew me away in the first round. Yeah, that was that was one of the big storylines was the youth of, of Julio Rodriguez sort of, you know, being there. Uh, it's the the second time uh, in the last couple of years that a, uh, a Cleveland uh, slugger has competed and lost to the eventual champion. Uh, Carlos uh, Santana lost in the first round to Pete Alonso in 2019. Uh, Ramirez is uh, he only hit uh, Santana only hit 13 home runs in that first round back in 2019. Uh, Ramirez is 17 home runs uh, tied Jim Tomey for the most home runs ever hit by a Cleveland hitter in the home run derby. Now that was across different formats because Tomey hit a total of 17 uh, back in 1998 in Colorado when he made it all the way to the finals against Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, So, I mean, really sort of history being set for Jose Ramirez with those 17 home runs, but uh, he didn't come through. He didn't, he didn't advance. I remember in 2018 when there was all that talk about whether or not he would compete and, could a guy of, of his stature compete against the the big boppers like that uh, who drive the ball out of the park? Uh, it's interesting. You, you mentioned him hitting from the right-hand side. I wonder if him hitting from the right-handed side was to protect his, his sore thumb, uh, to protect his injury in that way. Uh, you know, maybe he, he swings from the right side in order to not exacerbate that injury. Yeah, I mean, I, that's what I thought right away, Joe. And you know, he and he really, you know, he's 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 such a dead pull hitter. I guess it probably doesn't matter which side of the plate he's going to hit. He's going to yank it down the down the down the line. And you know, most of his home runs in the Derby were were you know right down the left field line. All of his home runs were were to the yeah. pull side. He, I think, he hit two off the foul pole as well. Yeah, uh, right, right. What did you think of the uh, the moment uh, where all of the players came out after Albert Pujols' uh, first round and and sort of congratulated him and, and you know, gave him high fives and, you know, had sort of a, a spontaneous moment there at the plate with him? Yeah, I thought that was really cool. Uh, that was, you know, a nice, uh, you know, tribute to uh, Pujols, who is, you know, in his last year, you know, we probably, we might not see another hitter like him for sure in baseball, you know, 3,000 hits and, and what, over 600 home runs? or I, I think he's got 3,000 hits, right? Yep. Yeah. And, yep. and uh, you know, it reminded me of uh, when Ted Williams came out, uh, they kind of, Ted Williams came out in a golf cart at, at Fenway Park before uh, the, the start of the All-Star game there. And players from both sides, you know, c- gathered around him. And they couldn't start the game on time because they were talking to him so much. And, you know, Williams was talking to McGuire and and all those guys. They, they were loving it. So it was kind of an impromptu moment. It was cool. Yeah, he started talking about hitting and, and like, actually yeah. getting into the nuts and bolts of it. And we're like, Guys, they got to start the game here. Yeah, and, and uh, the players didn't want to leave. <laughs> well, and after that, they named the the All Star MVP award after uh, um, Ted Williams in, in that instance, instance you're talking about back in '99. Uh, I wonder if maybe they 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 consider the maybe the home run derby uh, award, maybe naming that after Albert Pujols or something. E- eventually, you're going to start getting awards named after this guy because. Uh, he is one of the all-time greats, and 
if he's not a first ballot Hall of Famer, uh, you know, possibly a a a unanimous Hall of Famer, I, I don't know if you can you find a better you know example of a guy. Yeah, definitely. You know, he played. Uh, he was great in St. Louis. What they won two World Series or at least one World Series. I know they beat Texas in the World Series. He had the three homer game in in the World Series game that year. Uh, you know, he went to sign the big deal with the Angels, kind of hurt, got hurt, but still kind of grinded through that whole contract, you know, until, you know, he, he couldn't run. He wasn't the player he was, but, you know, he still was in the lineup almost every day. So, you know, he put up great numbers. Uh, you know, he played through the steroid era. There wasn't a hint of, you know, a whiff of a controversy about him and, uh, just, uh, just, you know, really, it was, you know, a hitter that we might not see the likes of again, Joe. Right. And, you know, being there in Southern California, uh, obviously uh, just a, a great spectacle uh, for the the home run derby for the All-Star game. Everything that, that went on, uh, again, Cleveland well represented Jose Ramirez, uh, you know, a great competitor in the home run derby. Uh, I think we saw a lot of, of really positive, uh, you know, things out of that weekend. Uh, none the least of which the the youth of the Guardians coming through and, and stepping forward on a big stage. Uh, Want to shift gears, though, here and, and talk a little bit about uh, this, uh, the, the draft, which took place sort of in concert with the uh, the All-Star game. Uh, first time they've done this where it's, it's taken place on that Sunday for the first round. Uh, they did it outdoors in L.A., uh, sort of, sort of trying to mimic the the NFL draft in the way that they've had major success with that. Uh, the Guardians selecting an outfielder with their their first pick, uh, Chase DeLauder, and uh, then they went with uh, I, I believe they selected thirteen pitchers overall uh, out of their out of their twenty picks. Yeah, you know, 20, uh, 20 rounds. They selected twenty one players. Uh, they had that you know the extra competitive balance round A pick. Uh, so the first three pit, uh, th- first three picks were, uh, you know, the the outfielder from uh, James Madison, uh, Chase De De La, Tour, De La Tour, uh, then uh, uh, right-hander uh, Justin uh, Justin Campbell from Oklahoma State, then a lefty from uh, Florida State, uh, Parker Messick, and uh, that that was the first day of the draft, and uh, then you know they had two more days, and uh, you know concentrated on uh, college college uh you know athletes outfielders infielders pitchers only drafted one catcher a high school catcher joe out of uh, uh out of uh i think uh, out from california from taft high school logan clark and um and uh, uh they um scott barnsby uh said he's confident they're going to sign all 21 of these players in this class so you know they've got a nine million dollar bonus pool to do it to, for the top 10 and any of the players they took, you know, from the uh, from the 11th through the 20th round, uh, you know, they can sign those guys. But if they if the signing bonus is more than one hundred twenty five thousand dollars, it counts against the bonus pools. So, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how they finagle that. But they always manage to, to get the guys they want and uh, within uh, the confines of the bonus pool. Yeah. Creative accounting at its best, I guess. You, you know, it's a shell game moving moving uh bonus money around so that uh, you know everybody's incentivized to to sort of sign and 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 come and, and start their their pro careers interesting that they only took one uh one catcher and he's from high school i 
I gotta I gotta wonder why there aren't more college catchers being selected, or at least you look over at Adley Rutschman and see the the success he's the immediate impact that he had uh, with the with the Orioles. Uh, this is a club that could definitely use a, an advanced prospect at at catcher uh, at some point. And they've got you know a couple uh, waiting in the wings in Bo Naylor and Brian Lavastida, but. Uh, that's one of the areas where uh, the Guardians need the most help right away. Yeah, I asked, uh, you know, uh, uh, Scott, uh, about that, about only taking one 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 catcher in the draft. He said, you know, basically that was the way the chips fell. He said, you know, last year we took, what, 19 pitchers out of 21 uh, players. And, uh, you know, he said, he kind of said, you know, that's just the way you know, it was, you know, just the way the draft broke down. So, and I, and I don't think there was a whole lot of catchers taken, you know, high in the draft, maybe one guy, I think. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Uh, like you said, again, the, the 13 out of 21 uh, selections were, were pitchers. Uh, this is an organization that I guess puts a premium on stockpiling as much pitching talent to, to sort of go through. Uh, they've, they they certainly have a lot over the last two drafts now. Yeah, definitely. Uh, like you know, nine right-handers, four lefties. Uh, you know, they took five outfielders, two infielders, and a catcher. Um, and you know, it was to watch. Uh, you know, you can see kind of what they're doing in the draft. You know, most of the pitchers they took. You know, they weren't really kind of guys that were going to break the radar gun. You know, they were guys that you know threw. 90 to not, not they kind of sat around right right around 93 you know they could touch 95 97 but uh you know they all had high strikeout rates low walk rates guys that uh, you know they could uh you know could develop as as starters like we you know basically the rotation they have right now kind of mm-hmm. you know got and uh the, the hitters were all uh you know high average hitters you know low 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 walks I mean, high walk totals, you know, low strikeout totals, you know, not exactly guys that are going to hit 40 home runs a year, but with good speed, you know, so, you know, you could see the analytics playing a role in this draft, you know, especially, you know, with the light shining on how they they score runs in, in, in the big leagues with this big league club right now. Well, on the first pick being an outfielder, being a big kid, I, I think he's what, six, six, four, six, five, something like that. Yeah. Um, and you know, he was, he was a bat to ball kind of guy, but he also had a little bit of pop and he had an injury that, that sort of me, you know, uh, allowed him to, to be around and available where, uh, where he was. I think if he hadn't had that injury, he might've been one of the top, uh, you know, top 10 guys taken. Yeah. Broken foot. He broke a foot in, uh, during, in, I think in April, you know, cost them most of the season, uh, you know, but he does run well. He can play all three outfield positions, uh, and like you said, he's a big guy, six, what, six, four, six, five. Uh, so that's an intriguing guy. And, you know, uh, they really kind of concentrated on outfielders, you know, they outside of, you know, pitching. And uh, it was interesting because their outfield is, you know, filling up, Joe. I mean, I mean, if you got Valera, you, you've got Valera on, in the pipeline. You've got Gonzalez. Now you've got Nolan Jones. You've got uh uh, uh, Quan and, and, uh, you know, uh, you, you just signed, uh, 
you know, uh, um, the center fielder to an extension. So, Strong. you know, where the, where 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 are they going to fit all these guys? Yeah, well, maybe that leads to tomorrow's topic of discussion, where uh, where we talk about what it might take to get a Juan Soto, because the uh, the the Guardians certainly have the ammunition to go out and uh, you know throw prospects at the the um, the Nationals to to maybe rent Juan Soto for uh, a couple of seasons, but uh, you never know because. Uh, there's two two words that that will kill any deal, and those are Scott Boris. Uh, I I don't think uh, any Scott Boris uh, you know player is is going to not go all the way to free agency and and you know sign some sort of extension, especially if he's already turned down four hundred some million dollars. But yeah, Danny O'Dowd, when he was the assistant general manager in uh, Cleveland, used to say Scott Boros is easy to deal with as long as you give him everything you want. Exactly. So, so if they get Soto and uh, they want to pay him more than half a billion dollars on a multi-year deal, I guess I guess he's going to come. He'd be here, but I don't know, Joe. That that's a that's a big that's a big reach, right? There. Yeah, it's a it's kind of a big ask. Uh, all right. Uh, if you're listening and want to participate uh, and, and get feedback from uh, Hoinsie and myself, uh, cleveland.com slash subtext, sign up for Guardian subtext, $3.99 a month. Uh, you can get uh, all the news that's that's fit to print and more. Uh, we did some exclusive stuff with, uh, you know, uh, polls about the home run derby this week and uh, the trade deadline approaching. It's the best time of year. Uh, to be on subtext because we'll we'll have all that information out to you first uh, before it's even on the site. Uh, 216-298-4346. Uh, send a text to that number or uh, cleveland.com slash subtext to sign up. Hoinsey will be back tomorrow to dive a little further into this Juan Soto question, uh, who it might take in terms of prospects uh, to pry him away from from Washington and would it be uh, something that the guardians might even want to consider doing? Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that tomorrow here on cleveland.com's uh, Cleveland baseball talk podcast. All right, Joe.